With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Beautiful move to the net. Great shot, score! And Anderson completes a dramatic comeback! Cassie left it for McDavid. Drives the net. What a shot! Top right corner, unbelievable! Two flyers draped all over him. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. All right, into the weekend we go. The Islanders and Hurricanes are tied 1-1 early in the second period. Barzell and Ajo, the goal scorers, as the Hurricanes go for the sweep to advance into the Eastern Conference Final in these unpredictable playoffs. At 7.30 tonight, it's Dallas Aints at St. Louis. That series is tied 2-2. The other series tomorrow, Blue Jackets and the Bruins and the Avalanche up against the Sharks. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. You can text 630-630, our phone number 780-496-0063. Well, I'll tell you what, there is a, a lot of speculation out there about the uh, Oilers general manager position, and I'm going to use the word speculation. You know what? Some of it is news. Some of it is news. Some of it is speculation. Some of it is is downright gossip. I I think the names that have been circling out there for a while now is being in the final three, four, or five, depending on what list you want to go by. I I would trust those. Um, I, I haven't uh, you know, speculated a lot or or referred to the gossip a lot. I can tell you what I think, and I'm going to have a, a very special guest on the show in about 60 seconds who will tell you what he's think. I think some of what you're going to hear from us will align. I think some of what he and I are going to tell you might be a little different, but we're, we're even if we're not on the same page, we're probably in the same chapter of the book. Let me put it that way. I don't think, from everything... Uh, I have gathered, I don't think that the Oilers are imminently going to hire a general manager. And by imminently, I'm talking where they might explode out of the gate and do it on the weekend or uh, or, or do something on Monday. I, I do think they're down to probably three, maybe four. Uh, I don't think that they have actually offered somebody the job. Um, though there could be hot and heavy discussions, perhaps, with a candidate or two. Carolina, by the way, just scored to go up 2-1. So, uh, with that in mind, I'm pleased to welcome to the show my friend Mark Spector from Sportsnet. Mark, how are you doing, buddy? Oh, pretty good, Reed. Wilkins. What's going on on a Friday night? Yeah, it's good. It's uh, it's good. It's you know, it's it's an interesting time for the Oilers because they're going to have a GM. I, I, I think by this time next week they're going to have a GM. Like I said, do I think it pops out of the gate? On the weekend, no. I would still say Monday's a long shot after that. I think the odds go up each day. Uh, Mark, you wrote something on sportsnet.ca today that's obviously getting a lot of play, and as it should. You did your homework, and and like I said, you and I might be not not on the same page, but we're probably in the same chapter of the book. Uh, Give us your rendition of, uh, of what you've learned. 
Well, my, uh, uh, I have learned that the Oilers' top candidate is Ken Holland. They have, uh, you know, I suppose it's semantics. Uh, they're, they're working out a deal with them. So have they offered him a job? Well, you're not working out a deal with a guy if you're not giving him a job. So I'm going to tell you, he's their preferred candidate. They're trying to make a deal with him that will work for, you know, obviously that will bring him to the Oilers. They want him to take the job. And the ball is in Ken Holland's court. If he uh, can, you know, if they can work out a contract that he's happy with and all the different parameters therein, uh, I need some lawyerese here, Reed, to right. make this sound more important. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if those guys can, can, you know what, they can put together the deal, and I'm sure that they can, Ken Holland will be the general manager here. Okay. Do you have any sense of. Any specifics on that deal, length, exact title, transitioning to another position when he wants? I mean, Ken's 63, which, which let's face it, Mark, the older you and I get, the uh, the less old 63 seems. I wouldn't want people putting <laughs> me out the pasture when I'm 63, but I don't think he, he's looking at a job saying, hey, I'm going to be the GM of this team for the next dozen years. Do you have any sense of, of that? Well, I don't have, personally, I do not have any sense of that, but I will say to you this, I can vividly remember when Jimmy Rutherford went from Raleigh, Carolina, to Pittsburgh. And I remember when he said, I'm only going to do this for a couple of years, and then I'm going to transition out of here. And I remember thinking, geez, I've never heard a guy say that before. And how many years has he been running the Pittsburgh Penguins, and how many cups has he run there, or won there? Right. <laughs> so, you know, you can you can see that stuff all you want. I don't, that kind of thing, you know, like Ken Holland clearly wasn't ready to go upstairs in Detroit and have a lesser role. Uh, he's he's clearly looking to get back in the general manager game here. So I don't know how long he takes the job for it. Frankly, I don't care. He'll take it, and if he's <laughs> successful at it, he'll keep it for a long time. And like anyone in the business, if he's not successful at it, they'll find someone who's better at it, right? That's just how the business works. Well, and one thing I've been saying, and, and look, it's I, I get it. Oilers fans have been beat up. They have had far too often had expectations and promises not be fulfilled or come up way short. Um, but no matter who it is, I don't feel like I'm going to be able to fully evaluate this guy until, quite frankly, 2021, because you got to do it for a couple of years if you're a general manager. Now, let's discuss Holland's history. Overall, you'd have to give him a wildly passing game in Detroit, because or passing grade in Detroit, because they won the Stanley Cup four times. His recent history of cap management and trying to fill in a roster after a lot of stars retired uh, hasn't looked as good. So how do you sort of assess well, his body of work is great, but maybe his recent work is out of concern? Yeah, his recent work clearly, because they're a capped out team that's not real good. But as we know, there's always mitigating circumstances. I'm not aware, uh, you know, I'll follow Detroit, but not as closely as I would follow the Oilers. Every time I see, every time I see a uh, team going into a new building, read the way Detroit did, and signing free agents when they're really not a team that should be signing free agents, that tells me something. That tells me there's probably pressure from ownership, right? It's like Vancouver a couple of years ago when their owner said, "We got to make the playoffs," and everybody outside of BC said, "Make the playoffs. You guys should be rebuilding." And about a year later, they said, you know, I think we're going to rebuild here. <laughs> we all said, no kidding. Right. So I feel, I'm not, you know what, Kenny's a big boy, and, and he made some signings he probably should have made there. But I'm going to say that going into that building, 
there was no question some pressure, uh, unrealistic pressure to try to make playoffs there when they didn't have a playoff team. That's what leads you to make some bad decisions and sign some people you probably shouldn't sign. And the cycle, man, they're, they're good. They made the playoffs there 25 years in a row. There is going to be a cycle. You're not going to always be good. And you're not going to always be smart. Every general manager has a couple bad trades, a couple bad signings on his resume. The longer you're a GM, the more it is, likely it is you'll have one too. Uh, there is no perfect GM out there. If you're waiting to find that guy for Edmonton, you're never going to find him. Well, and that's what's really interesting to me. And and look, I'm not saying this because I'm supporting Ken Holland or Keith Gretzky or anybody else with, with a history of, of hits and misses. But three or four years ago, George McPhee was the idiot who traded Mar- Philip Forsberg for Martin Erat. And, and he should be banished to an expansion team like Vegas where they can suck for three years. Yeah, well, that, so much for that, eh? Now he's the smartest yeah. man ever to sit in a GM's booth. There you go. So, hey, listen, it's gonna, it happens. Uh, I also want to say to you that a guy that makes a couple of those mistakes is less likely to make them again. Uh, but you know what? Like, I, I'm not even, I don't even want to get into everyone's, um, the, his, the history thing. You know what? Like I say, every team makes a bad deal. I think the reason Ken Holland has been successful, Reed, is I think he's been, look at the people he's surrounded himself with. You know, he had the best European scout in the history of European scouting in Hogan Anderson, right? He's the guy that found, you know, Holmstrom and Datsuk and Zetterberg and, and all those you know, Franzen, right? He was the one responsible for all those deeply drafted fifth and sixth round guys that were awesome, awesome players. Jim uh, Nill, right, came up under Ken Holland. Well, he's running, you know, I would suggest a very strong program in Dallas. He's a really smart, respected hockey guy. Uh, Ken Holland taught Steve Eisenman the ropes. How Stevie is a GM these days? Oh, not bad. Tampa's a pretty good team. So, you know, I think that he's a guy that's smart. He surrounds smart enough to surround himself with also very smart people. And if you do that in Edmonton and you collect a group of guys that all know what they're doing, I think you're going to have a good hockey team here. Mark Spector from Sportsnet joining us on Inside Sports as we uh, discuss uh, Mark's story from earlier today that uh, Ken Holland in uh, hot and heavy discussions to be the next general manager of the Edmonton Oilers. Okay, l- let's speculate a little bit because why not? It's May 3rd. Uh, sure. Uh, is it your belief that, that maybe there's already a name or two that, that if this all pans out, Holland might be looking to bring with him from the Wings organization? Uh, I believe there would be, and this is, I want to make it very clear, pretty pure speculation on my part. Um, I know that everyone in Edmonton, of course, is familiar with Tyler Wright. Was he 12th overall in 1991, I'm going to say? Something like that. First first round pick of the Oilers. Scouted in the the Columbus organization, and his uh, Ken Holland's chief amateur runs the amateur side of Detroit today. Uh, the feeling is that with Steve Eiserman coming in as GM, Tyler Wright may be on his way out of Detroit. So I would suggest there's a good chance he would join Ken Holland in Edmonton on the amateur side. Uh, I'm going to say to you that Keith Gretzky, uh, I would I would expect to stay here and work with Ken Holland. I would say probably on the pro side. Uh, and I think it, it bodes well as a bit of a succession plan. I personally, I, I'm not... I thought Keith Kresge could probably do the job here, but I, I, I like the fact 
that he's going to learn from a guy like Ken Holland. And now I see an Oilers front office where when Holland does, you know, go over the top and, and decide it's not for him anymore, you got a guy that's ready to step in there. I think that's how good organizations work, Reed. Uh, so those are the two guys that I would suggest to be part of things. And the third would be, I would suggest he'll, he'll cut a bit of a swath through the Oilers hockey uh, department. And I would think there will be some guys, familiar names in there that uh, may be on their way out. Yeah, that's interesting too, and obviously that's you know I know I know a lot of a lot of fans and season ticket holders have have asked for changes because there's been some some names who have been around here through a lot of the dark years. Okay, let's end it with some really fun speculation, Spec. Let's really let's really get down that road. Okay, let's Ken, do it. Ken Holland becomes the GM of the Edmonton Oilers, and Mike Babcock goes into Kyle Dubas's office and says. You know, you don't really seem to be committed to me. You, you've paid me most of my contract already. Can I have permission to talk to my old buddy Ken? They don't have a, they don't have a coach in Edmonton that they've committed to coming back for next year. Wouldn't that be something to go down that road? Oh my goodness! And my listen, my bosses in Toronto, uh, one in particular, is already all over that story for me. He's like, "What are you going to write, Babcock, to the Oilers?" <laughs> You know, and it's funny, like, okay, so let's let's chew on this for a second, Reed. I mean, on one hand, you know, Mike Babcock is the highest paid coach in hockey and considered one of the top, you know, echelon of hockey coaches. On the other, he has not won a playoff series since what? Is it 2012 or something? Yeah, didn't win one with the Leafs or hasn't won one with the Leafs. Hasn't won one with the Leafs and, and you know, he coached. You know, didn't win in Toronto for sure. No one's won there. No one could say they've had great success there. They haven't won a playoff round. Uh, on the other hand, I think we can all look at a Leafs roster, and I can think of about 10 players there who started out under Babcock three years ago and are way better players today for it. I mean, way better players. Uh, you know, right from, from Morgan Riley, whose game's been you know, who's turning into a Norris candidate to Gardner, who may not stay to a, you know, I mean, a lot, a lot of these guys. I love Kapanen's game. Um, look at Mitch Marner. Obviously, they're talented, but you got to give the coach some credit. He brought those guys along and taught them how to play. So, I guess to, to, to conclude, is he the coach that he was thought of a few years ago, or would Oilers fans freak out, Reed, over taking a guy that basically got fired out of Toronto? What do you uh, I think that there would be, I, I mean, from what I'm seeing, there'd probably be more question marks about Holland that, than Babcock, you know, okay. I, I think Babcock is still a top six to eight coach in the NHL, even though you can criticize some of the moves. I mean, anytime you lose, you can criticize, right? Well, so yeah, fine. They, lo- they lost to Boston. Boston had better horses in the stable too. So there you go. Uh, yeah, you know, fair. Uh, but oh wow, four-one Carolina. By the way, eleven minutes oh, left dear. in the second period. You, you know, with Holland, I, I think now you you know you framed it well that all right they they wanted to have some better players when they went to that new building and try to push into the playoffs. But they're up against the cap. I mean, they're closer up against the cap than the Oilers, and they missed the playoffs by more than the Oilers. So right. you know that's got to fall on on Holland as well. Oh hey, no question. You know and. And they signed. I mean, I think what happened, the worst thing that happened there, even forget the signings, is their drafting kind of ran out in Detroit. 
You know, like for for so many years, they were drafted in the high 20s and still pulling out players, right? Like Darren Helm and Justin Outlocator. And, and now all of a sudden their guys are okay, but the guys they've been drafting in the last five, six years are just all right players. There's no superstars on that team, right? So to me, that's the biggest difference is, you know, they've, they've paid a few guys too much. I mean, there's Vanek's off their books now. Advocator is about a $6 million guy, but ever since Datsuk left, he hasn't been the same player. Cronwall's off the books after this season, but, you know, he's a great old veteran, but he's pretty much done. So, you know, they've paid some older players in Detroit, which you shouldn't do, but I think Reed, I think the reason why they paid him, because they really didn't have any great young guys to pay there, you know? Mm-hmm. And drafting is the lifeblood. You don't draft, you don't win, you don't succeed. And for as long as that team was one of the best drafting teams in hockey, last five or six years, you can't say that. And even the mighty Detroit Rams, if you don't draft well, you get what they have, which is a non-playoff team, I believe, now for three years in a row. Speck, great stuff today. Uh, well, great work all the time. I, I love reading your uh, your reporting today. Really, really good. And uh, it's going to be a fun few days here in Edmonton, man. Thanks for checking out on Inside Sports. I really appreciate hey, it. Thanks for having me, Reed. That is Mark Spector. Get him at sportsnet.ca. So as uh, as he put it, it is uh, it is Ken Holland's job if if he wants it, and, and he said maybe a matter of semantics. I said I don't believe anybody's been offered the job, but but Speck basically thinks there are you know a, a lot of negotiations there to uh, to work out the details. So it's a it's a job he would he would want to take. We will discuss as we go on throughout the evening. You can text 630-630, the phone number 780-496-0063. We have a special guest in studio after the 6... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 30 News, that is Joaquin Gage, former Edmonton Oilers goalie. It'll be good to catch up with him. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chat. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chat. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is 626. Well, those bunch of jerks looking good to sweep the New York Islanders halfway through the second period. It is 4-1 Carolina, 4-1. And Carolina on a power play looking to add to that lead. Well, Speck and I were talking about it, and uh, you know, Speck strongly believes that, that Ken Holland is the Oilers guy if they can work out a deal in the next couple of days. Uh, I don't know. like Personally, I don't think it's going to happen that fast, but it looks like Holland has entered the fray and uh, you know, is, is the Oilers' choice, Mark Hunter and Keith Gretzky uh, around as well. I, I wonder, too, I mean, and there, there's a lot going on here, and there's uh, a lot... You know, there, there's a lot of commenting, I, I think, from the fringes of everything. And, you know, Bob Nicholson is at the center of it, and I don't think he's really talking to anybody. But but I wonder, too, look, Keith Kresge wants the job. If he doesn't get the job to Mark Hunter, 
why would he stay and be Mark Hunter, Mark Hunter's assistant? This is just me speculating. Because, quite frankly, I think Keith Gretzky would be a better candidate than Mark Hunter, and he has more NHL experience. But if you like Keith Gretzky, and, and maybe you're more likely to retain him if he's uh, an assistant to Ken Holland and then maybe with the opportunity to move up when Holland moves on. Anyway, just some things to consider. We will uh, discuss this. We will discuss playing goal on an NHL ice surface versus a European ice surface. We will discuss... Well, actually, I don't, I'm not sure what else we're going to discuss. The menu is pretty much wide open. Joaquin Gage is standing by when we get back. For breaking news and expert opinion, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6:30, Chad. Four and a half minutes left in the second period. Carolina leading the Islanders 4-1. Hurricanes looking to sweep that series. Islanders with a chance in front on the power play. They cannot convert, and the Hurricanes oh, didn't quite clear it, but they are in control of this game. Reed Wilkins at the 6.30 Chet Studio. Great to have Mark Spector on the show in the first half hour as uh, it is, well, I, we'll put it this way to be modest and I think safe. Uh, Ken Holland appears to have emerged as the leading candidate for the Oilers' GM job. I don't know if a hiring is uh, imminent in terms of on the weekend, but it, uh, Speck believes it is his job if he wants it. Pleased to be joined tonight in studio by a guy who uh, goes by the handle of Old Goalie on Twitter because he is, in fact, well, an old goalie. It's Joaquin Gage. Joaquin, good to see you. Hey, Reed, How's it going? Now, did you spend a lot of time into thinking, hmm, what should I call myself on Twitter? Yeah, that uh, that handle seemed to uh, it just rolled off my tongue, and uh, the the thumbs started going, and and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's worked out well for me so far. I think I got a couple followers with that. <laughs> All right, uh, frustrated fan just texting in. Joaquin Gage is awesome. So there you no, go. Yeah, but you, you haven't even said wow. anything yet. Wow. Well, maybe I should. Uh, <laughs> I should let the fans know I'm I'm throwing my hat into the ring for uh, Oilers GM. I've uh, I've watched Moneyball six times. I just finished the Art of the Deal by uh, our uh, president down south there, so I think I should be in there. I think you're ready to go. <laughs> I, I don't know if you've entered early enough in the application process. Yeah. It's <laughs> a late resume. Yeah. Well, but that's the beauty of hindsight. You know, if Holland's announced on Wednesday. Then I can come on and say, "What about Joaquin Gage? Did they yeah. even look at Joaquin Gage?" I can get furious about it every night. <laughs> Thanks for stopping in. It's great to see you again. We finally uh, met in person a few months ago at Studio 99, and we had a great interview, you, me, and Rob. And I said, "I got. I'm going to bug you to come in sometime." So That's here, great, so here yeah. it is. Texted you at 5:30, and you made it for 6:30. <laughs> uh, Carolina. I mean, we're watching this game. I mean, they're one shot away from losing to Washington. Yeah, and um, uh, and now they're probably going to go to the East Final. The uh, I love this time of year just because. Well, when are you going to watch Carolina that much, right? I mean, if it's if I'm not watching the Hurricanes play the Islanders on a Friday night during the regular season for sure, but uh, just to see some of these players like Aho and and um, Stall and I've always loved that Justin Williams. They're just. It, they're a fun team to watch right now, and the fans and stuff. It just it uh, it really makes you miss the playoffs, especially in Edmonton. Yeah, well, in Carolina, well, I mean, look, we know what the market is like, and you see the regular season games. I guess you'd say they're Florida and Arizona are the markets that kind of get mocked by Canadians the most because you see empty seats, 
you know, at, at, at the red line where most Canadians yeah. would give away a child to get those <laughs> seats. But you got to hand it to them when they get on the bandwagon in the States. And, I mean, they don't sit down at some of these rinks. You know, it's fun. I did play a bit in Raleigh, not with the Hurricanes, obviously, but uh, with their East Coast League team. And there are so many sports teams there. And I remember the we had a game on a Friday night, and they said, yeah, we're not going to get any fans. I go, oh, who's playing? Like, I was thinking Duke or UN Tar Heels or something. He goes, no, it's, uh, it's high school football. And I remember driving to the rink, and along the, the highway, there were cars lined up, on, parked on the freeway to go to the high school football game. Like, so it's a rabid fan base, and if you're a good team, they're going to come. Yeah, I mean, some elements exist in, in that, I guess, that region that wouldn't exist in Edmonton and in a lot of Canadian cities. So yeah, no. yeah. NFL, NBA, obviously. Yeah, uh, I guess there's strange. not Major League Baseball in Carolina, but there'd be affiliated ball. And the high school and college sports is on another level than, yeah. than what we'd have in Canada. I, I couldn't believe the following that high schools got. Even the papers, you know, they got way more ink than we did. And, of course, you have Tar Heels, Duke, and uh, uh, Wake Forest is down there. There oh, was right. tons, of, tons of things to go watch. Did like, you ever go to an NCAA basketball game when you lived there? No, I tried to go to the UNC game, and but tickets were way too expensive. No uh, way. Yeah, and but uh, <laughs> I went to the campus. It was, it was unbelievable, but... Oh shoot the the name escapes me the uh, the legendary coach there Dean had, Smith Dean Smith yeah. retired and they had like just people out with candles and it was like a big wake that they, <laughs> he wasn't going to coach anymore so yeah it was it was it was really neat I liked my time down there What was the name of the team then um, the Rally Ice Caps the Rally Okay I, I yeah. just brought up your page it's ninety seven ninety eight Yeah jeez. Wow. You played a ton that year, too. Yeah, no, that was a... You're still was, tired from that season. <laughs> that was a rough season, <laughs> actually. That was when you became an old goalie. Yeah. <laughs> was it ever... I mean, look, I know you're a pro and you got to play, but was it ever you skate out there to 2,000 fans and you're like, oh, no. No, it didn't. That didn't really bother me too much. Um, you just... You, you always wanted to win. I mean, you knew... If it was a weekday game, you just were used to not not having many people there, right? Once winter came along, and and we didn't do too poorly that year, so we had we had some fans that would uh, some loyal fans that would come out. Um, I think a couple guys actually. Uh, I remember a guy by the name of Paul Strand. I think he played at the U of A. Yeah, he played at the U of A early nineties. Yeah, I used he, to watch him. Yeah, there. he uh, he played with. He was down there and played on the team. I think. And there was a lot of uh, like startup companies, and I think he got a really good job down there. That's and that's what a lot of guys did. They, a lot of guys would get called up to the American League and say no because they had oh, really? too 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 good a deal down in the East Coast League back then. I, I remember was it uh, Pensacola? Like a lot of those guys, they had a really good team, a team that probably could could have competed in the American League, but those guys weren't going anywhere. It was too nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, now, did you have any, I mean, they're, they're called the hurricanes, but I mean, when, when there actually is a hurricane, it's pretty, pretty serious and pretty tragic sometimes. Did you have any of the, the really bad weather when you I, lived there? No, I never, uh, out on the coast, you'd hear some like warnings and stuff, but we were too far inland okay. to, uh, to get any of that. But, uh, the hurricanes were there, but they played in Greensboro. I think that so it oh, was like right, yeah. it was like going to to Red Deer for for a game right from Raleigh. So um, I remember I the Oilers actually did play there one day. I went to go see the guys. And stuff. Oh, cool! Yeah, 
did you like the what was it like living there did you feel you were in a kind of a different part of the world i mean canada and the states aren't all that different but sometimes there could be some regional differences there it was because it was a little bit further south yeah. and uh obviously cooking and stuff and and restaurants and uh i mean the people were great i i had a really good time there but yeah there were there were a lot of differences from from canada that's for sure <laughs> well they just showed this pig carolina has what's his name hamilton oh. that's become their mascot <laughs> that's that's amazing a hurricane pig would oh, pigs dude. fly in a hurricane yeah, well, that's, that's the... i guess that's the only time <laughs> <laughs> all right so let me ask you this this here's the hardest question of the night what is your theory on the success of the hurricanes and well we'll start with the hurricanes because if we can lump Columbus and Colorado in there, though, we'll see how they do in this round. Um, gosh, you know what? It's I find that everything relies on just momentum and and how things are going. Like just the the Columbus game. But I'm well, obviously I'm looking at the goalies most, right? right? So Bobrovsky, I I found that it all depends on how he bounces back on the in the next game because the. Uh, as a goalie, when things are going so well, like he was playing so well, lights out, and sometimes it can just be the the slightest thing that just throws you off your game a little bit. And I don't the the goals that beat him were goals that beat him kind of clean. Mm-hmm. And as a, I know for him, a Vesna guy, a, a top five goalie in the world, getting beat clean drives you crazy. Especially because he's you're at that point in your career where it's so hard to beat you. Like guys in practice are going, I can't beat this guy. This guy's unbelievable. And the goal that he allowed, he got a big chunk of, and it would have been a really good save and almost a, a momentum boost for his team if he makes that save. And it, it just gets across the line, and and then he gets beat by a, a a couple goals clean like that with good looks. I thought he had. And I think next game is going to be like he goes, oh, I've been beat, and now I have to respond. So it's I think they only go as far as he takes them. Yeah. And if he can get his game back and uh, uh, beat Rask, like he he lost the game to to Rask, I thought last last game. So if he can bring it back, I think Columbus will go all the way. Really? Yeah. Okay. Carolina. So we referenced they got a win game six at home against Washington. They got the, you know, Ovechkin thought he scored, which could have changed the that game six. Carolina wins. They win game seven in overtime. And look, I'm not suggesting that it's luck because they're working incredibly hard. They have they have several players who probably have never played this well in their in their pro careers. But sometimes, I mean, that game seven overtime goal, it's kind of deflected out of the air. <laughs> we, we have the sound down in here, but it looked like Williams tipped one out of the air tonight yeah i mean sometimes you're in the right place and you try to poke at a puck two inches off the ice and you miss it and then they've got two and five games going like that there yeah there's been a couple goals like that i've seen this playoff so far just uh the kind of off the ice low shin kind of missile through the crease and hoping for a tip right like it's um I hated those as a goalie, that's for sure. I, more more of them hit the shin pads of my demon and would, <laughs> would go in, right? I just I, I hated that. But, uh, no, I Carolina, like, I wish I would have watched them more this year. I, I only watched a few games, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think I saw it, the two times they played the Oilers. Yeah, that, and that's, that's it. it. Like, But they are, I like the balance of the team. I think I was listening to someone today, and they were saying how there's no real superstars, but they're, they're, 
they're like the best team playing right now. You know, they're just they're such a cohesive unit and they're fun to watch. So do you think from your experience, does that start with players getting confident and feeling like they're on a roll or does a coach like Brindamore have to get that in place throughout the year? Um, I've always, like if, I I always thought that Tampa was going to lose first round. What, like I don't like a team that doesn't have some sort of adversity through the year. That's why when the, when the Oilers were actually doing poorly, I thought this is really good because in the playoffs when you uh, you know you can win a couple games, you lose one, and all of a sudden media's on you, and people are asking what's going on, what happened. Like you you watch the interviews of the of the Tampa players <laughs> after the first two games. Like I think I saw uh, something on Twitter, like a, a Lightning fan threw their jersey on their barbecue to light it on fire after they lost game one. You know, right. like it's 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 weird how things can turn so quickly, and I think the regular season being eighty two games, the peaks and valleys of the season, you're better able to cope with uh, the smaller sample size of of what happens in the playoffs. If if you do lose a game, you can brush it off, and that's you you need leaders and you need guys that have gone through it before because uh, the highs and lows are are monumental. It's interesting you say that. I, I had Colton Pareko on the show between rounds one and two. I think it was last Wednesday or Thursday. And I asked him about, and, and then they've had a couple more dramatic games against Dallas in, <laughs> in this round. But I said, you know, against Winnipeg, you had a three-goal rally in the third. You had another goal with 15 seconds left to win. Why are you guys so good in those tense situations? And he kind of said, well, January 9th or whatever it was, we were last in the entire league. So yeah. being tied with five minutes left in the third period, why panic? Yeah, you know? <laughs> so. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. That's the it teaches the regular season teaches you things that you, you take into the playoffs, right? Joaquin Gage is in studio. If you have a uh, question for Joaquin, you can text six thirty six thirty. We'll talk about some of his experiences in Europe, including what we believe is the only goaltender ever to fight while. Play- Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Playing in Sweden <laughs> and uh, some thoughts on the Oilers GM search as well. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's 6.50 now, uh, second intermission. Carolina leading the Islanders 4-1, so the Hurricanes on the verge of sweeping that series. Uh, Joaquin Gage joining me in studio. Who's uh, this texture says? I work for Shaw. Asked Gage to take my shift on Tuesday. LOL. Uh, no, I, no I took my buyout, so I'm 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 done actually right now. But um, yeah, getting bought out by uh, by Shaw is not like the NHL. So maybe I will pick up that shift. <laughs> <laughs> You'd sooner have the NHL buyout. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so look, we, we had Spec on earlier, Mark Spector from Sportsnet. You can get his article at sportsnet.ca. Ken Holland appears to have uh, emerged here as the top candidate for the Oilers to be their GM. And, and things happen so fast. 
on Monday you, you hear and read stuff. Well, they haven't really talked to Holland. He's probably going to stay in Detroit. You know, he's he is employed by Detroit, but people talk and they keep talking. And 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 another thing, Joaquin, things could change fast. I mean, by you, you never know how how well or how poorly this could go if they keep talking over the weekend. But that that's the latest now. I'm not going to promise you anybody is or isn't going to be the GM. Yeah, I don't. I unless you're in it from. Being a player in a NHL room, the GM, you know, the only time you're ta- you're thinking about him is when your contract's up. Really, <laughs> that was the only time I thought about them. Anyway, <laughs> but um, the uh, I everything can change. I don't and until they actually announce someone, I I don't know what's what's really happening. All I know is I don't think a new GM is going to make much difference to the Oilers for next season. The the real need for change is on the ice, not in the front office. But I'm an old player. That's I've never been a GM, but I'm no, my but, resume is in. But but that's <laughs> fair because I noticed from doing a job like this, you talk to people in a variety of jobs or with a variety of backgrounds, and they will often they think based on what they're doing or used to do. So a lot of the players will say, "Well, we got to perform. They can change the coach. They can do this. They can perform." A coach will say, "Well." You got to put this and this in, and then and then it'll work. Well, you always, <clears throat> when a coach or a GM gets fired, you always hear the, the uh, the soundbite. The players always say, "Well, you know, it's it's a f- unfortunate that that has to happen. It's us on the ice. Yeah. We're the reason why they're fired. We feel bad because we were the direct result of someone losing their job. No one wants to feel that way, and there's truth to that. But, um, yeah, it's the the Oilers just weren't good enough this year. They too many holes. Um, I guess I can kind of speak from a goaltending standpoint. You know, the the only the the difference between an American League goalie and an NHL goalie, and I I found this out real quick because I watched a lot of NHL goalies when I was with the Oilers, but they don't allow bad goals. All right, when in the American League, you can almost count on a bad goal being let in by uh, by the other team. You almost get a freebie almost every depending on who you play against. I remember playing against really good goalies, Jamie McLennan, um, Martin Biron. Those guys, you could tell they were going to be NHL goalies because they didn't allow a bad goal. It had to be a tip. It had to be a screen or just a perfect shot. Two on one or you, something, you, yeah, because yeah, you were not getting a good one past them. And... The Oilers didn't have NHL goaling, an NHL goalie consistently for the past two years, really. We've had spurts of, of things, but until we can get a guy that uh, that's top five in the league, because that's what you need to get to where the city wants the Oilers to get, is because uh, you need goaltending to go deep in the playoffs, as we can see. Well, I think that's well said. And the year they made the playoffs, I mean, Rob and I often said Connor McDavid won the Hart Trophy, but a lot of Oilers fans might have said Talbot was the team MVP. You know, like that's how, he was amazing. He was, yeah. I, I, he should have at least been in the running for the Vesna. If not, he was fourth for sure that year, right? Like, yeah, he fourth in voting. Yeah, yeah he's he was unbelievable. And unfortunately, I think with I know everyone's all over Shirelli for some of the mistakes he's made but um like we said goaltending covers up a lot of mistakes and i think uh after that year that we did go to the playoffs um we thought we were a little bit better than than what we were 
and we didn't have a good handle on what we had and what we needed to go forward. I thought, I think they looked at the playoffs as a foregone conclusion, and they forgot about the journey on how to get there. I think that's fair. And I think with the goaltending, Koskinen was interesting to watch. He he had some incredible spurts where he started to think, oh, man, maybe he's like 8th to 12th in the NHL. And then you had a lot of nights where I'm like, I'm not even sure if this guy's in the top 50. Yeah, you see you see that a lot in the NHL, too, with goalies. Like sometimes um, the the established number one starts to falter. The, the backup goes in. Maybe he gets a few more games. He gets on a roll, starts playing. It's a lot easier to be the 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 guy going in knowing that it's not yours. Right. You know, there's not really lose. any pressure. This, I mean, the 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 big dog's coming back soon. I'm just going to go out there and play. It's a lot different when you're the guy, but that that's uh, tough to do. Yeah. All right, Joaquin, get, you're going to stick around for a bit more, right? Oh okay. yeah, I, man. I promise we, the, you got a goalie fight story or two, maybe. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> I got lots of stories. Four-one, Carolina leading the Islanders after two. Former Oilers goaltender Joaquin Gage is in studio. I'm Reed Wilkins. Inside Sports on six thirty, Chad. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on six thirty, Chad.